When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. This is an audio version of the 24th Annual Dice Awards Roundtable Series. To watch the video of this episode, please visit youtube.com slash official AIAS. Brought to you by the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences. This is the award celebration by game makers for game makers, honoring the games that connect players around the globe. No matter where we come from or what our interests, video games bring us together. We gather here to honor our fellow creators and the very best of interactive entertainment. Welcome to the 24th Annual Dice Awards. Welcome to the 24th Annual Dice Awards. We are sitting down with the nominees for Strategy Simulation Game of the Year. This promises to be an interesting discussion between creators of games from times past, future, and worlds between. Let's introduce our group for today. Uh, from Crusader Kings 3, you have Henrik Ferreas. How are you doing, Henrik? Hi there. Uh, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well, uh, all things considered. Weird times, uh, but you know, we all know that. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Give the folks at home a little bit of information about, you know, how you kind of got into your role in, in the work that you've been doing. Sure, yeah. No, I, I've been working at, uh, at Paradox for 20 years almost, uh, and I've been making strategy games the whole time. Uh, it all started when I made a mod for Europa Universalis 1, uh, and they liked it so much that they hired me. Since then, I've been programmer, project lead, designer, and all kinds of things, and now I'm the actual creative director for, for Paradox. Uh, so I've, uh, I've done my part. <laughs> and I think, you know, in, ma in many ways, Crusader Kings 3 is sort of, I guess, the, I wouldn't say the capstone of my career, but it's, it's certainly uh, the game I'm most proud of so far. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, from Desperados 3, we have Dominic Ave. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. I'm very excited sitting here virtually with all those great people and all the games i really enjoyed most of them and played them so <laughs> oh nice to meet you all <laughs> awesome awesome give the folks at home a little bit of information about how you got into the game as well i think that's super super cool yeah um for me it was i studied game design with a bunch of folks that yeah in the end we yeah ended up founding a company out of that with my co-founder johannes Roth. And yeah, we slowly started making games with like small mobile games and then we slowly grew bigger and bigger and did more like the games we wanted to do in the first place, like hardcore strategy games and stuff like that, like real core games. And I think we now are in a very, very lucky situation to be able to do that and to continue doing that. And super happy perfect, about perfect. that. For Microsoft Flight Simulator, we have Jorg Newman and David Deden. How are you both doing today? Very, very awesome. Good. It's an honor to be here. Good. Jorg, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear, you know, your thoughts about, you know, getting into the game and getting into the, into the gaming industry. What are some of your thoughts there about, you know, your, your journey here? Mine? Oh, yeah. I started in the mid-90s or early 90s at a company called Origin Systems. 
remember them. They made things like Wing Commander and Ultima. I worked on a series called Crusader. Um, then we we left Origin, had a startup. Uh, there was a lead designer on a game called Freelancer, which is a space game um, for, for Microsoft. And then we got bought by Microsoft. <laughs> and I've been working <laughs> with Microsoft ever since. Uh, so it's been a good long time. And uh, yeah, Flight Simulator is one of our longest running franchises. So it's been awesome to reboot them with a Sobo. And that's the lead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, hello, everyone. Same for me. I'm super honored to be with all of you guys. Uh, yeah. Crusader Kings, we talk about it all the, almost every day with Breeze. Uh, so, yeah, really cool to be with you. Uh, uh, personally, I actually started by doing cinema studies, and every lesson I was taken was actually driving me into the video game. I was like, actually, we should do this in a video game. We should apply this in a video game, extra, extra. So I finally joined Callisto at the t- at, uh, into, in '98. And uh, when Callisto dies, uh, we actually funded uh, Azobo with uh, 12 friends. And now we are here like 20 years later, almost 90. Um, and uh, we have collaborated since 14 years, I think, with uh, Microsoft and especially Yorg. So it's a long story. And we needed this um, great relationship to actually develop a such franchise as uh, Microsoft Flight Sim because it, it's lots of work and lots of trust needs to be there. And uh, that's the reason why I think the collaboration was great. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, we also have uh, from Monster Train, Mark Cook. How are you doing, Mark? How's everything going? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you. Super excited to be here and honored that we've gotten the nomination. Awesome, awesome. Give the folks at home a little bit of info about you as well. Yeah, sure. So I've been a lifelong game developer and was super lucky to have grown up in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, which was and still is a hub of game development activity. So I, I lucked out and got an internship at LucasArts in 1996. <laughs> uh, and that summer, I worked as an engineering uh, intern. I'm sure I contributed nothing of use really to those games, but <laughs> I got to work on Grim Fandango and Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2, which are both awesome games, very well you know, regarded, so super lucky. Uh, and then from there, went on to work as an engineer and a game designer, uh, both in the United States and Japan at a couple of different studios. And then about 10 years ago, started my company, Shiny Shoe, uh, which created Monster Train. Very, very cool. Uh, and to round out our group from Per Aspera, we have Javier Otaegi. How are you doing, Javier? Hi, and everything's fine. Thank you. Thank you for having me, uh, for having us. Uh, it's a great honor to be here. Um, very, very cool. Give the folks a little bit of info about yourself as well. Yes, of course, I started uh, working on games uh, 25 years ago uh, during my teenage years. Uh, I've always loved games, loved uh, uh, the process of making games. Uh, I am based in Buenos Aires. There's not a, a very big industry here. And there, was, uh, there wasn't any industry here in, in, in the, during the 90s. So we, we needed to cr- basically create our own industry. And well, now fast forward 25 years, uh, uh, we have uh, worked uh, on, on I, I mean, I have been working on, on many, many different games. My last previous uh, known game was Master of Orion, which we, I developed uh, with the people at Nimble Giant. And then I left to start a new studio, Clown Industries with miners. And well, here, here I am 25 years later. 
Wow, that's that's fantastic. It's it's so cool to hear, you know, the 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 journey that each one of you have taken to get to this point to be making the games that we're talking about today. Um, it's always fantastic to kind of dig back into that conversation and that story. Um, a question to kind of start off uh, our conversation around this category is around with a variety of games nominated here. You know, what are some of the kind of the some of, some of the core tenets, the common core tenets that you all kind of see these games share? Uh, I'm going to kind of go to you first, Mark, on that one. I'm curious to hear your thoughts about, you know, strategy and, and, and games like this are very, very special in the ways that they kind of talk to the player and talk to, you know, other games within the space. Um, I'm, I'm, here, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about some of those common spaces that you all kind of occupy. Yeah, well, I think the one of the common through lines is a dense amount of what the players would perceive as interesting decisions being made. Um, and, you know, that is certainly like an important part of Monster Train. We thought about that constantly, but I can see that through line in all the other nominees as well. It's like, that's what keeps the players engaged in these types of games is having enough systems, uh, enough kind of interlocking parts to make meaningful and meaty decisions just keep coming at a, at a pace that feels right for the title. and. Um, and, and keeps people thinking and, and on their toes kind of mentally. And I don't know, that's what I really like about strategy games. And, you know, I think was executed on well by everybody here. Dominic, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on some of those common, common touch points that you see across strategy and, and how that kind of has been infused in the game that you've made as well. Yeah, um, what I like or most about the type of games is that they give you space to think and yet to develop your own strategy and plans and stuff like that. And what I like also a lot is the simulation aspect. So for example, you have something like Flight Simulator. There it's, I don't know, simulating like air traffic, wind, etc. And in a game like Desperados, you simulate human behavior, AI reacting to somebody. And all those things, all those systems are very special because I think the medium games is the only way you can like truly express them. Because like in a film, it's very hard to like make a whole simulation. You can then only put a lens on something and in the game space, you can like really get a simulation living and vivid. And I think that's what I love the most about games, <laughs> this like certain aspect. And yeah, all of the games here share that a lot. Like, and then create deep systems you can interact with and then like, come up with new ideas, your own stories and stuff like that. Henrik, I'd love to hear your thoughts as well on how those kinds of kind of common kind of language that happens in the strategy space kind of runs through, you know, all, all the games you kind of see here as well. Yeah, I think uh, what both strategy and, and simulation games have in common really is the, the freedom that player, the player has. You're, you're mm. free to do as you like, to, to make the choices you, you want to make. Uh, there's rarely sort of a, a plot or a narrative in your way that uh, the world is there for as your toy box essentially or dollhouse or whatever um, so for me it's about the freedom and about creating sort of a, a subset of the world we, we try to simulate I mean you could say that our games are ruler simulators in a way um, so you you are the ruler uh, yes, you can be a pilot or you can be a colony manager or something, <laughs> uh, but you are really in the shoes of someone who has power and agency to exert their will in, in the world. 
and for me that's sort of the commonality. I, I love you you talking about the kind of you know ways that people kind of come to those to, to the games that you all have made and how you know at the at the center of it the human experience is kind of the thing that drives a lot of that and it makes me think a lot of what you know what's happening in the, in the game of Microsoft Flight Sim where not only is you know are you are you kind of mimicking and, and, and building a, a, a virtual version of a very real thing but it's actually like giving humans the the ability to actually build their own tool set you know with you know is it a game is it a simulator you know your folks are training in this particular you know you know game in the simulation to learn how to fly in in real life you know how, how common is that conversation that you're hearing you know of people using the tools that you've built to to really enact a real world life thing that they are then able to kind of use in, in this broader perspective. I'd love to hear from, from the folks on that side of the fence on the team. Uh, it's funny. There's, it's for, to start with, there was tons of different ways to, to the relationship with the simulator is can be quite different depending of the people, but you're right. I mean, at least personally, what I observe, what, what interests me the most is the fact that you, you it, you know you you in life you 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 learn by doing and in this mm -hmm. case you you learn by doing uh, uh, something which is as close as possible to the real thing and the real thing in real life is actually super fun <laughs> you know flying is real in real life because we had to because it's a sim is actually super fun is and it's something we have tried to deliver in in flight simulator was this trying to make people learn how to fly by having fun as as they would have in in real life because discovering the planet is actually fun you it has walking in this in in this sim in this game has actually helped me a lot to understand tons about the, the planet itself and i was not actually prepared for that initially and mm. i'm super happy to have a, and i think for a lot of people it will be the exact same thing you you actually discover the planet differently and it you learn something by doing and uh, yeah so it's it's at least one thing i, I would have said you're you're do you have any thoughts to, to add on to that yeah i mean i think I, actually strategy is my favorite genre of all <laughs> uh it's because it has um typically has really strong rules it's for me it's always been great to be there so it's my sort of almost my intellectual brain you know i play a lot of games that are very emotional or very actiony but strategy is where you, i turn my brain on it's a sandbox often where rules govern and it's really just experimenting with the rules and in our case for flight sim yeah it's the world <laughs> you know <it's, laughs> the world has rules the weather has rules physics are physics you know but um but i think just sort of the Approaching it, trying certain things, learning from it, mastery, I think, is very common in, in, in both in both categories. And yeah, I think you know that what that's what makes it interesting because you, you take something away from it that you learn and you think like you keep getting better at something. But... Yeah, One thing I like about about strategy, sorry to interrupt, is the no fact worries. that to me, uh, I know I've I've you know, when you are at school and there is lessons, the fact that you listen for a lesson, even if you try hard, it's never as useful and that you never really get the thing when you actually do it. And it's the case in most of strategy game, you actually get a much better sense of 
the tension which are behind political decision or resource stuff, you know, et cetera, et cetera, when you actually had to make decision based on your own um, yeah, goal in, 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 in the game. So the game actually informs what you have learned also in the past at school. It's, it's interesting too, I think. Yeah, and it, and it, and it gives a, another layer to, to the ideas around what you're able to kind of do, right? With, with, with Flight yeah. Sim, you know, the, 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 the landscape is the, the thing that you're not fighting against, but you're working with, right, in that way. Um, because it's grounded in reality and, and grounded in a reality that we all understand. Something like Paraspora, you know, we're now taking everything that we've known and moving that to Mars in a space that we've never seen before, never really had a place to kind of understand what all those systems would kind of kind of look like. You know, how 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 did you kind of think about that when you when you're talking about the kind of how true to life you wanted the sim to be? Um, and, and, and how do you want to kind of deal with the specialists and outside resources that were required to kind of accurate, accurately kind of make that place feel real, even though none of us have ever been there? Well, it was a, it was a true challenge. Uh, we needed to research a lot of different papers and books and uh, reading different theories and different uh, wild speculative plans about how to transform Mars, how to create a... Uh, plan that is rooted in, in, in real science, right? Uh, the, the, uh, one, of, one of the key uh, aspects of Paraspora was to try to deliver uh, uh, as, as real science as possible experience for, for the players because it is a simulation game, right? Of course, it is still a game and we, we, we took like broad licenses in very particular points here and there. Uh, I mean, the scale of the planet, the, the scale of the buildings in the planet, uh, the temporal scales, of course, they are all uh, adjusted for uh, the game experience that uh, we wanted the real uh, science for transforming the planet to be there. Uh, actually, if you go inside the formulas on, in the game, you will find um, all the different papers, and all the different uh, uh, gas and atmospheric uh, composition formulas that uh, are actually needed for, for terraforming a plant. Of course, we are, we are game developers, we're not scientists, right? Uh, but we're going <laughs> to make uh, it as, uh, as a real, as real science as possible. And yes, and we, we, we loved during development to, to read papers from scientists and feeling a little bit scientists ourselves. But of course, we, want, we are designing an experience uh, and um, the simulation part uh, is a very important uh, of course, for, for a game like Prospera, but it's not the 100% of the experience, right? We are really, uh, in Prospera, very leaned toward also the, the history and, the, and, and, and players being able to use the game as their own, their own story building tool. And I'm also curious about, you know, you, there's a narrative element to the game as well, where it feels like, you know, that part of it was very thoughtful in that, in that space too. How did you kind of balance that out between the kind of ambitious scientific parts of that and, and, and building in some, some really engaging narrative too? Well, it, it, was, it was quite of a challenge. Of course, uh, we, we are very big strategy players here and we do love the genre, uh, but um, we, 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 we felt that the, we, we, we could use all these tools that uh, this genre gives us to be able to tell uh, a, a larger story. So uh, we try to balance the simulation and the gameplay and of course, uh, all the rules and having people uh, uh, 
be in, in, in the grasp of, 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 of good mechanics to be able to build on top of that. But uh, on top of all this and on top of the story building uh, that people tell themselves when they play, we wanted to be able to talk uh, a science fiction thriller. So um, we know that uh, Prospera is perhaps a little bit of an experiment uh, in that sense, but we are uh, very happy with the results. People do, uh, do love and are actually uh, enjoying the, the, the mixture uh, of simulation and uh, a more story-oriented uh, game. Uh, they are really enjoying that. So we are, we are happy about that. It was, it was not easy uh, to be totally to, to honest. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the best strategy games are the ones that I love the most seem to figure out that good, you know, balance between all these super complicated systems. And, and, and Mark, I want to I go to you about monster training, about how, you know, it blends deck building, base building, resource management, roguelike, roguelike elements. You know, how hard is it to, to balance so many systems where you're constantly having them touch and the Venn diagram is so large? Yeah, they're... There's a lot of stuff going on uh, in Monster Train, and it definitely was a challenge. Uh, and we kind of used a combination of different tools and processes to try to both wrap our heads around uh, how all of these systems were kind of uh, both engaging or not engaging players in different ways, or what's overpowered or underpowered when it comes to trying to tune a card game and so on. Uh, but really, I, I think one of the key things is we developed a culture of feedback is what we call it on our team. And that's both internally as well as with our private beta, our public beta that we eventually ran, and then ultimately post-launch with our community uh, at large. And really what that was all about is like not just words, not just coming out and saying like, we want feedback, <laughs> but uh, really permeating that throughout the the game and just like how we interact with people. So uh, this is something that we did in Monster Train. I think it's like, one of the best things we've ever done in game development that I've seen in terms of like ROI, we put in the ability to like give feedback within the game itself and it like captures a screenshot and your save game and so on. Um, and we put a call to action in all the beta. It's like push this button right now to give feedback, which gave us an enormous volume of kind of useful information. And this is like not based on data collection, you know, we'll talk about that briefly, but yeah, uh, <laughs> Just on like, hey, I, I feel like this is underpowered. Um, and we would take that and just post it straight into a Slack channel that all of the development team was in. And then we could have discussions about that in kind of a threaded manner openly, which we thought was super useful. The development team internally used it like crazy. Uh, and our external testers used it a lot as well. Um, and that really helped us get like a good sentiment capture pre-release. Um, and then, of course, we also had kind of a traditional like data analytics capture about like, what are people doing? What cards are they playing? What are they picking and card drafts and so on in our title and um, built out some like web-based dashboards for our game designers to, to look through that data and look for outliers. Like, oh, this is way too strong because of X, Y, and Z, or this is like really underpicked. Uh, so if we want to, maybe even it's like, there's cases where like a card was strong, but it was underpicked, but we redesigned it anyways, just to try to make it more interesting um, and to make it more of like perceived value. Uh, so anyway, ultimately, I can't really take any of the credit personally for all of those balancing <laughs> decisions. That was uh, led by our lead designer, Andrew Krausnick, and the rest of the, the team working on the game. But yeah, kind of like a combination of strategies of like community engagement, high amounts of feedback, and then also the data side. Yeah, it's, it, it is a, a, an extremely large task to make sure that all those things are talking together in a, in a really good and comprehensive way. And it, it makes yeah. me think about 
Uh, Henrik, in, in the work you're doing at Crusader Kings 3 about, you know, the game has been called often a game more about kind of relationships than resources. You know, you're balancing a whole bunch of things of like social status, religion, you know, so many different things that are kind of talking to, to each other in that way with expectations that go along with that. You know, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what the team, you know, how they kind of developed this intricate system of, of relationships that kind of all work together? So We're known for our historical strategy games, um, but, you know, the other games that we make, they're more of a nation simulators, really. Mm. Um, but I think medieval times work really well to, to make it personal. So mm. it's, it's really about the characters, uh, and there are tens of thousands of them, and they're all acting in their own best interests, whether there is a player or not, really. And I think that's, that's important, that uh, the player doesn't really need to be there for the world to be alive, uh, and for all of these myriads of character to, to try to fight for <laughs> limited resources, which is essentially land, right? The land is the source of income uh, in this time. Um, so it's really a combination of the personalities that the characters have and the opinions they have of each other uh, and the ways that we give these characters to act out uh, their goals or sort of interact with each other. Uh, and you get this interesting, um, uh, often very surprising, uh, chains of events that are meaningful to the player. Uh, you sort of remember some of the characters, you remember some of the stories that you you have experienced, even if, you know, of course, the simulation wasn't trying to create these, uh, these narratives. Right. Uh, you found them interesting uh, once they played out in front of you. But it's also <laughs> just fun to click around in the game and see what, what everyone else has been up to uh, that hasn't really had anything to do with you where, you where you're playing the game. Yeah. Get a little bit of a bird's eye view of kind of how it all works for everybody else in that space, which, which is also very, very cool. Um, really quickly, before we give away our award, I wanted to ask you, Dominic, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, giving people time to think and, and how that's a part of the, the idea around strategy games and how that is, that is super important. What's the conversation that you and the rest of the team had around, you know, in Desperados, you know, giving the player agency to do what they needed to do to kind of make the next step, but also giving them enough time for patients to be a part of, you know, the way that you know, exp ex experimentation happens in the game uh, as well. So, yeah, as I said before, we really love that the players have the ability to try things out. And we have some very old school trick mechanic you all <laughs> know, looking from your age, uh, quick saving, quick loading. <laughs> and we keep that because of the reason that it allows you to retry everything, optimize everything to the point you just yeah, want it to happen. So there's no punishment for like anything you try. And that also like really encourages the players to try crazy things. Often you see like, okay, there's this challenge and maybe, yeah, I could easily maybe overcome it like that. But then you're like, I want to be cool. I want to do something like really <laughs> awesome. And then you just build something in your head and then you, you have this tool because you just retry and retry and then in the end you make the stupidest, craziest approach and it just works and you're like, damn, what did I do there? And it's just, <laughs> yeah, that feels awesome and I love that. And another thing we added, yeah, it's also fairly obvious. It's like pausing the game. It's a real-time tactics game, but now you can pause it and 
especially when we have now like combat situations and stuff like that, then it's very important because then again, it does not like go into like a lot of stealth games. The other part we have in our game, which is huge, uh, when you break the stealth loop, you come into an action loop. And in our game with the pause mode now, we found out that you then come into more like it, like with like turn-based or pause combat, yeah. which is then very like tactical and again and not about like being fast executing executing something. And that's something we really like. We that's something where we came all across during development, and then in the end realized, oh, that's really cool. And maybe in the future we're gonna focus more on that <laughs> so 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 more expect experimentation from the audience and from the from the consumer and from the player gave you more things to think about as well which is which is always fantastic to hear again the iteration and, and, and growth within the development space while having it live and, and, and getting some good feedback there um before we give our award out i want to again thank you all for being here the, your games are fantastic and brilliant and add so much to the space and, and, and really have, you know, challenged the player to think out way, outside of the box in lots of different ways as well. Um, we're about to give away our award, so get excited, everybody. Our award winner for the 24th Annual DICE Award for Strategy Simulation Game of the Year goes to Microsoft Flight Simulator. Congratulations, wow. gents. Congrats, congrats, congrats. <laughs> thank Very you. Cool. Wow, thank you so much. It's super Jorge cool. David, please, if you have any thoughts, please share them with the, with the, with the audience. Well, I mean, that's first thought, very humbling. Um, maybe a shout out to our community. You know, like we oftentimes say this is, you know, at Microsoft, this, 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 this uh, series predates Windows and Office. <laughs> you know, it's been 38 years and uh, the audience is amazing. Uh, they are, they know more than we do and they share it freely with us every day. <laughs> And uh, it's been a fantastic journey of discovery together. And I th we, we all want and hope to work on this for a long, long time to make this into the, the perfect sim, the perfect flight sim. So thank you, <laughs> David. Yeah, really, I'm, I'm, just to mention, not, I will not repeat, but I'm fully aligned with what your guys just said. And it's, and it's, it's true for the community. And sometimes the community is, is, you know, even real life pilot and everyone who has helped because again, it's the sim is so complex and so vast in different areas that it's impossible for a single human to be to know everything. It's it's even the case in real life too. So we we did this thanks to the community and it includes also the real life pilot and so hello to my instructor <laughs> and as a boys instructors and all those people who have been passionate in order to try to teach us what needed to be in the sim. And also a big thank you to the former team of Flight Sim because we, we know we, they, they, they made the, you know, the foundation of everything initially and we are here today because of them initially. So thank you to you guys. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for, for, for being a part of this. Again, you all are made some brilliant, brilliant games in the space and it, and it just continues to grow, you know, not only this category and this, in this genre of games, but everything else that, that games will do. Uh, so thank you again for, for being with us. And again, thank you so much for spending some time with us here at DICE. <laughs>